Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalo. And on this show, I, I speak with women and a few cool dudes, all of them healers, artists, changemakers, and entrepreneurs, about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. And I'm really excited today to have as my guest a speaker, author, and talk show host, Steph Palermo. Welcome. Thank you, Linda. I'm happy to be here. And I'm, I'm excited that we've, this is our second encounter. Yes. So I got to be on your radio show. That's Tell right. us about your radio show. Well, it's, a, it's really based go towards uh, all aspects of healthy living for what I've coined as second lifers, where empty nesters, newly single, and those starting over. And it's essentially the over 40 crowd, but 50 years ago, we were old. Now we're running marathons, we're fine dining, we're, you know, nightclubbing, dating, all of those things. And there are so many issues now that we have now that they didn't have 50 years ago. So I like to talk about all aspects of physical, emotional, spiritual, and intellectual well-being mm. for second lifers. Yes, yes. And you, this is really important to you because of your personal story as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So tell, tell us a little bit about where you've come from and where it's brought you. Well, I, I, was, I was born with a rare disorder, uh, Poland syndrome, and it affects my right side and my, my right hand, and I had to live with having a limb difference my whole life, of course, so you can understand back being young and being bullied and being left out and not being able to do the things that everybody else was doing, uh, tying my shoes, just the simple things that you don't even think about, blow drying my hair, even to this day I'm, I drop the blow dryer, I struggle. Um, but just every normal, everyday things that you, would, you don't even think about. So you couple that with being raised in a crazy Sicilian family, well, then you have me. <laughs> so I had to deal with all of that and a lot of that, the being Italian and everything was food-based. So everything we did, weddings, wakes, funerals, birthdays, holidays, was, were, were, it was all around food. And I used food to find the happy place. I never really thought I was an emotional eater until I realized that I was eating for the party to get happy because regardless of the chaos that was going on in my house, we sat down and we ate and we ate as a family or we had our cousins over and it was always fun. So the weight became a problem, but I used the weight, I could hide behind the weight to hide the hand. Mm. So I had all of that and dealing with that and, you know, dating or not dating, you know, college, adolescence, you know, getting married at a uh, young age. I was young, I was 24, and really not taking myself into consideration when I was making decisions, not doing the best things for me in my life and, in, you know, and thinking what was going to be better for me in the long run uh, in terms of a career, so, or even just feeding my own soul. And I spent 25 years doing for everybody but myself. And that included not taking care of my body. And that sort of trickles into the family. There's, you, you don't have your own self-respect. And I think that it was a big 
problem for me. And when I started to get healthy, both physically and emotionally, I realized that I was not in the right place for me. So, hence, I, you know, I've been divorced for about three years now, and I had to sort of relearn how to live my life. I became a second lifer. I had to start working. I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? I've been raising my kids for 20 years. I have a, you know, a degree in management communications. I loved radio. I, loved, I did radio production in college, and, and I'm a great writer. I, I self-published my own book, and I blog. So I just started to do those things and build a business from there. And, but I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. So what was it that triggered the change for you? I really believe uh, it was in 2008. I could not take how heavy I was. And I said, I, I remember calling a friend and saying, okay, I need that nutritionist number now. And I called and I'm like, can you see me today? And then she was like, no, well, I can maybe see you in two days or what. And I started and I went to the nutritionist and I lost 40 pounds at that time, but I was already down maybe 50 or so from my last baby. And he was born in 2004. So this was four years later. And so I'm about 100 pounds lighter than I was in 2004. And that started sort of a snowball effect of me taking care of me. Exercising, I box, I, I, I started to you do box. box. I, I, you know, when I put on the, the gloves, I'm like every, for one hour, I'm like everybody else. And maybe even better because I've been working at it, you know, maybe better than someone, and I'm not comparing, but I'm as good as the people around me and I'm just like everybody else. So I How love How did you it. choose boxing? It was funny because I was in my gym in Atlanta and I saw this boxing group that it was obviously new and I, I approached the, the boxing trainer and I said, hey, I saw you do, you know, you're doing boxing and he was so, for a boxer, boxers actually are very kind because they get all that aggression out in the bag. He said, hey, you want to give it a try and come to find out, I was in Atlanta, he was from New Bedford. And he was a New England's Golden Club um, champion. And you're from that from, area. I'm from Medford. Uh-huh. He's from New Bedford. I'm from Medford. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and so that started me getting on. I said, well, I wasn't ready, quite ready to get into the class because I still had this fear of being looked at differently because I couldn't do everything. I couldn't do the jump rope. I couldn't do the push-ups. I couldn't do, and if they were doing stations, I would slow everybody down. So I sort of wanted to take a little, so I started training, private training, and then I started to get into the classes, and, and I was, you know, fine after that. I mean, I still watch when I go into a class. I need to make sure that I'm not going to be a problem if I'm going to be slower, because I am, everything is just a little bit slower. I mean, that's my reality. But uh, so the boxing, the nutritionist, the weight loss, uh, I had a little plastic surgery with a tummy tuck because I had four kids and I did all that stuff to feel good about me and then lots of therapy, lots of reading, reading good books, uh, books like Choice Theory and Boundaries 
and all of you know the four agreements and all of the good books to help me to grow and I realized that I was not in the place that I needed to be in terms of my marriage and it's unfortunate I have four children and I you know it just it just it's sad no matter what everybody gets hurt in a divorce it doesn't matter but it was not it was very difficult but it was not the place where I needed to be and uh, you know and I had to deal with that and I had to come to terms with and this is funny because I I talked about this uh, not too long ago but in terms of you know in the in society there's a line drawn in the sand when there's divorce and we were in a very affluent community community with very wealthy friends and families in our children's school and I had to come to grips with the fact that I may not get invited to these events I may not get invited I may not be part of the crowd anymore because I'm I'm leaving and I knew that it was my happiness was worth more than the money and I had to give up travel and all of that but it wasn't as important to me I, I wanted I, I knew that my happiness was not based upon the almighty do dollar mm. Mm. so you mentioned you have a book I do what's the name of your book it's called the only way is up and it's just Steph's perspective on life uh -huh. and basically what I did is I had been writing my blog and I put it all together and I separated I put them in sort of categories and I wrote a little bit before each category sort of describing what was coming up and it's little stories I'm a short storyteller uh -huh. so there's short stories on how I got comfortable in my own skin and it's funny because when I look back at the the book is I published in 2013 and I've even come so far from that mm. so I'm in the midst of putting together another book sort of to follow up on it uh-huh so like what how would you describe what it was like to have a difference I mean was it like were you were you angry at life for handing you this situation was it um, did you feel like it did you take it upon yourself like there was you know how what would help us to understand some you know what it's like to have a difference and is do we all deal with these things or is it I think everybody has differences seen or unseen okay talk about I, that. I think it's a little it's more it's more difficult on a social level when it's seen mm -hmm. you can sometimes hide it when you're when it's unseen however it comes out somewhere and I as far as being angry I felt that I didn't choose this you know a lot of us most everything we do is based on choices most everything if I you know have a bad day a lot of times it's the choices I've made or if I don't feel good maybe it's the choices I've made in food or drink whatever a lot of times most times whatever we're feeling is a result of a choice this was not a choice for me and so that could be frustrating so I'm sure that I I dealt with anger I've dealt with the anger of, of all that 
However, what it was like for me, well, I had to have lots of surgeries to get better mobility. And they took bones out of my toes and out of my legs and gave me bone grafts. And I, the problem with that was I would a lot of times return back to school with like contraptions and my, and everyone was staring at me. And that was very difficult when you're, you know, 10. Mm -hmm. So that's hard. Plus I couldn't do the stuff that everybody else was doing. I couldn't, you know, play softball. I love softball. I would have loved to play softball. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. There are ball players, you know, Jim Abbott is, um, was a lefty pitcher for the New York Yankees and uh, he is missing his right hand. So, but he was fast with the glove, you know. So it, there are people that do it and I go, wow, they're great. You know, but, you know, for me it was difficult. So I couldn't really do a lot of the stuff and then I didn't want to even try because out of fear of humiliation and embarrassment. So that was a lot of it. There was a lot of shame there. Oh, mm -hmm. And I had really great friends and there were times where people were not nice to me and even as an adult I've had that. However, that's such a small fraction. I mean such a tiny, tiny piece. However, every day when I go out the door and I, and I have to say this, people can choose courage. I can't choose it. It is, it's I have to be courageous I, because if I'm not courageous, I'm not going to get out of the bed. So every day I have to muster up the courage, and not that I think about it on a daily basis, I just do what I do, but I have to muster up the courage to get out of the bed, try to blow dry my hair, go to the boxing gym and try and do push-ups like everybody else or you, you know whatever they're doing. I have to meet new people and face the reality that somebody may freak out on me. And they have. They have go, oh my gosh, what happened to you? And screaming and yelling and all this. And I'm going, it's all right, I'm okay. You know, so that's a, my reality. And I don't know if, when that's gonna happen. And I know that I'm on a lot of Poland Syndrome support groups like on Facebook. And I posted some of my blogs that I've written about this. and the responses that I get like oh this happened to me in the grocery store or that this and it's just a re it's a reality mm -hmm. it's just a reality mm -hmm. um, but it's you know my norm my normal is very different I had a meeting uh, the other day with a lovely woman who's an amputee she had a terrible accident for me it's much harder to have something and have it taken away then for me, I've lived with this my whole life, so I'm doing it every, I'm, this is how I live. This is, you know, peeling potatoes has always taken me a long time. Peeling carrots, I'm, you know, I'm very, you know, a little klutzy because I, you know, I slip mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So, and I love to cook. I'm Sicilian. <laughs> so, you know, that's. So that's my reality. That's mm -hmm. what it's like. I mean, the reality of living with the differences, you have to deal with yourself and your limitations. You have to deal with doctor's offices and nurses and whatever, whatever's going on in your world in that medical, you know, to, to help you be more functioning. And you have to deal with the people around you, whether they understand or don't understand, whether they're really close to you or they're not, and how they interact with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what would, two questions, what would you recommend to people who have a difference in how to 
thrive in the way you've learned to thrive? Well, I think the first thing I would say, and I know this is going to be a little crazy, if you need help, ask. So if you need to get to a therapist or if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. And I think most importantly is maybe the people around, if you surround yourself with good people who encourage you to do good things for yourself, who are always there uplifting you and are behind you, I think that's really important. I think, you know, a good network of support, you know, support network is really the way to go with that. Um, and a good therapist. And taking care of your body to the best of your ability so that you can feel your best. And then if, you know, whatever you need to do to, you know, walk away from toxicity or because when you, when you have, when you already feel bad about yourself, a lot of times you align yourself with people who enable that. Who help, who can continue, continue, continue it because that's where you're comfortable. That's where you're, that's, and that's what I did in my, my life. And, and I, when I started to realize that and I started to realize my worth, and my and how much value I bring to the people in my life then I realized that I wasn't being appreciated for that and I had to take a step back and walk away from that so you need to get yourself get your head right start turning the thoughts around positive thoughts turn the you know the way you think about yourself first because you can't expect anybody around you to feel good about you if you don't. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend to somebody who isn't feeling good? What would, what's a step or two that they can take? Well, I think the first thing, it depends on how bad it is. Because if they're really in a, a crisis situation, really they need help from mm -hmm. a therapist. But I think the first thing to do is to start reading some good books that help you to change your thinking. Mm. You know, books like, like Choice Theory um, by, um, I think it's Gla um, Glasser. And, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz writes a lot of books about, you know, the four agreements and um, the, um, it's the voice of, he talks, he read, uh, wrote a book called the, the Voice of Knowledge and the Mastery of Love. Mm. Five levels of attachment. All of these these books that help to change. He, Don Miguel talks about our domestication, and we've been domesticated to think a certain way, and we have to sort of change that and unwind it. Hmm. And how we feel about ourselves is usually a direct correlation to what has been surrounding us. Mm -hmm. So you want to change both what's going on inside, how we think ourselves, and also create an environment that is more uplifting. Right, and positive. And positive, great. And, 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 and be around positive people. That's great, yeah. And laugh. That's number one. You have to laugh. You have to, you know, there was a lot, you know, now about my hand when things aren't, you know, it, I, I can make a joke, and I could never joke before. I didn't even talk about it. It was like it was like this big secret that everybody knew. It's the elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. But now, like, I la I'll laugh about stuff that I can't, you know, things that I can't do, and I'm like, oh, well. And, but I could never do that. So you have to learn to
to be comfortable in your own skin so that you can find humor in yourself mm -hmm. and laugh mm -hmm. and joke about it with your friends mm -hmm. and, and the people that are around you. So, and that makes their lives easier. I mean, think about that. When you're out, you know, I remember going out nightclubbing and my best girlfriend even, we'll talk about it today, she tried to protect me and, and, and hover and make sure that, you know, I was 21 years old. And now we can laugh about things together instead of it being so heavy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't need anybody to protect me anymore. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So what would you say to other people who, who are those people who freak out? you know, when they see you, like, what would you want, what do you want the people to understand? Well, I, I think that when you meet somebody, it, it's a little bit different, and I'm not going to take away from any, anybody, whoever's worse or whatever, I'm not saying everybody's suffering is their own, but if you walk in and somebody's in a wheelchair, you see that very easily. A lot of times you don't see my hand, so that when I go to extend a hand to shake, because it's my right hand, people go, oh, oh. Oh, oh, you know, and so what I would say is, is chill, you know, it's okay. You know, if I had something that was going to, that was catchy, I wouldn't touch you, <laughs> you know, but it's not catchy. You're not going to catch my rare disease by shaking my hand. It's mm -hmm. okay. Um, so I think that for people who are dealing, if they run into somebody who has a difference, no, everybody has something. You know, it's funny because I'll be out and I'll, if I just started talking about all this in the last few years, and I would be talking to somebody, say, brand new in a restaurant or at a, at a bar, and they would say, oh, did you know I have like six toes, or I have one ear lower than the other, or my sister has, you know, one leg shorter than the other. You know, somebody has, everybody has something. So I would say just realize that everybody has some difference, everybody has something, and that we have to treat everybody with dignity and love and respect just like we want. Mm. Great. And what are the possibilities? What do you see as the possibilities? What are you excited about? Oh, you about? know, I'm sort of, I'm so pie in the sky. I'm just so all about, the, you know, like, I, I just think it can, we, I can change the world. That's what I think. I think the world can change. I think people can love unconditionally. I think if they start with themselves, they can love. They need to love themselves. Everybody's mad, and they're mad at everybody else, but they're mad at themselves first. So if you can get happy and you can love yourself, you can love anybody and the world can change. Mm -hmm. I, be I believe that with, I know people probably watch and say, oh, she's so, you know, she, this is a fairy tale. I believe in the fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I believe in Prince Charming and the White Horse and mm -hmm. all of that. I believe it. Uh-huh. It's fun. That's just me. Yeah. And what's up for you next? Well, uh, I've been really networking a lot in Boston. I've been, I have a speaking engagement for Women in Action. I'm, I'm speaking, I'm doing the education breakout uh, session, and that's October 21st. I'm actually... I just got uh, word of this yesterday. I'm going to be introducing a film and sort of emceeing it a little bit, and it's the Rare Disease Film Festival here in Boston, and it's October 2nd, and I believe it's at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge in, uh, at 2 o'clock, and I'll be there uh, opening for that, and which is exciting for me because I really want to get more involved with the Rare Disease uh, 
effort mm -hmm. to really just bring uh, awareness. And so I want to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to be doing that. I'm also speaking, I attended Regis College in Weston, and I'm going to be speaking there on April 12th, okay, 2018. That's also in Massachusetts. Yes, mm -hmm. that's in Massachusetts. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to being the first TV talk show host with the limb difference. Oh, that's great. Well, I'll, we'll put all that into the show notes. Perfect. Yes. So I have my, my box of uh, wild cards, mm -hmm. and I'd love for you to pick one and just give us your wisdom on it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. What does this say? I can't read it. Let's I don't have, have my look. glasses on. Oh, boundaries. Perfect. Ah, love it. Okay especially those who come from situations where they're not, the self-esteem is very low, bound, they don't establish healthy boundaries. If you establish healthy boundaries in your life and you respect your own boundaries, you will change your world because you won't be so heavy and you won't be complaining about the things that you did because you didn't want to do them or the fact that somebody infringed their you know what they wanted on you or they somebody imposed on you because you've established healthy boundaries and you said no this isn't going to work for me oh yes I can do this so it's very important for your own well-being and especially as a second lifer I've noticed that I'm able to say in my relationships uh, this isn't going to work for me or I did all this and I'm tired and I need a break or, you know, wh where I think I would have just ran myself into the ground years ago and I don't do that anymore. So you have to establish healthy boundaries. If you want, if you want a happy existence that is, that you don't exert a lot of energy on the negative, establish healthy boundaries. Find out your beliefs and what you love and what you want and what you don't want and stick by it. Wonderful. How can people find you online? Well, I'm, all, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Steph Palermo. I'm on Instagram, Just Steph One, Pinterest, Snapchat. I have a YouTube channel and also JustSteph.com. Beautiful. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I had a blast. That's great. A lot of fun. Thank you. So. I'm somebody who likes to help people who want to get comfortable being seen and heard without the nerves. And if that's you and you have a presentation coming up either on camera or live in person, be sure to grab my free Fear to Fabulous blueprint, Mastering the Inner Game of Speaking Live or on Camera. And you can get that at lindayugalow.com forward slash blueprint. lindayugalow, U-G-E-L-O-W dot com forward slash blueprint. And thanks so much for coming on to Women Inspired, and I hope you tune in to the next episode. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV.